Hello and welcome to the Fantastic Fables Podcast with your host, Addie Hurston. Good morning. Welcome, my friends. I have a very special tale for you today. The story of Shakuntala, a romantic tale from India. But first a quote from Rumi. Since I was cut from the reed bed, I've made this crying sound. Anyone separated from someone he loves understands what I say. Anyone pulled from a source longs to go back. And now our story. Once upon a time, there was a beautiful young maiden named Shakuntala. She was exploring the woods near her family's village, hunting for herbs and things to cook with, when a deer ran by her and this deer was injured she stopped it and she pulled the arrow out of its side then she looked up and there standing in the shade of a tree was a man the hunter who was going after the deer he approached her And in that moment, Shakuntala fell in love. This young man turned out to be the prince of the land. His name was Dushyanta, and he fell in love with her as well. He stayed in her family's home. He helped garden and till the soil patiently. He laughed with her and coaxed her to being his friend and finally his lover. They had wonderful moments in each other's arms. Mm -hmm. And then Dushanta had to leave. He had to return to the palace. But before he left, he gave her his ring. And this was a special ring. It had the royal crest upon it. If you take this ring and return it, when you come to the palace, the guards will let you in. You'll have no trouble getting through to see me. All right, she said, and sadly she watched him walk down the road to his home. How she longed to just follow after him. (laughs) But she couldn't. He had said that he must prepare his family for her arrival. She would have to wait. Oh, in those next weeks... 
Shakuntala, she ached for him. She longed for him. She could think of nothing but Dushyanta. And then a visitor came to the village. He was from a very far and distant land. And when he passed by Shakuntala on the road, she didn't even notice him. Her eyes were on the ground, her mind wrapped up in thoughts of Dushyanta. She did not give this stranger a courtesy nod and respect. This stranger felt that he had been dissed. Mm. And in that moment he decided to curse Shakuntala. And his curse was this. The man she longed for would not remember her unless he saw the token of his affection, his ring. But, of course, she would lose the ring before she saw him again. And this vindictive stranger, he left the town. Weeks passed by. Months passed by. And Shakuntala had not heard from Dushyanta. It seemed so odd. He, he had said he would send for her right away. Finally, she decided that she would go to the palace. So she packed up a bag, traveled by the ferry down the river. As she traveled on that boat, she let her hand dip into the cool water, let the water run through her fingers. And as she did, the royal ring slipped from her hand and sank down into the mucky, yucky mud of that river, never to be seen. But no matter, she thought, Dushyanta will remember me. I will get into the palace. When she arrived at the city, she had quite a time talking the guards into letting her into the castle. Finally she did. She was admitted entrance into the grand hall. There was Dushanta just sitting on his throne, not doing anything. Dushanta, my love, I, I, I came here for you since you have not sent for me. What preparations have you made for our wedding? What have you done in this time? Have you told your family of me? But Dushanta, he just stared at her, his eyes blank, no recognition in them, nothing. <laughs> Dushanta, you, you look, you look as though you don't even recognize me. 
I don't, he said. I've never seen you before in my life. What? Shakuntala was dismayed, and... And she said, but... But how can... How can you not remember the deer, the deer that you were hunting it came to my village? How can you not remember seeing me for the first time and and how you you churned the soil in my father's garden just to win them over and to be next to me? How, how can you not remember lying with me? Dushanta lied with me and when you did your heart beat over mine you had all the heat of the sun in you he just continued to stare at her Dushanta I am carrying your child How can this be? But Dushanta, he just looked at her as though she were a little speck under a microscope, something distant, something far away. There was no compassion in his eyes, no understanding, no empathy. He thought that she must be a very good actress. He nodded to his guards, and the guards lifted Shakuntala up and escorted her outside. And there, the gates closed behind her, and she turned back and looked through the bars of the gate at the palace. And she thought, it's just not possible that he doesn't remember. He must have been lying. He must have just been using me. Every word he said must have just been some way working to get inside me and Oh, <laughs> Shakuntala looked up at the trees above her and saw the birds scurrying about. And she thought, it's just each one out for himself. It's just survival and what a piece of work is man. This most excellent canopy, the air, look you, this brave or hanging firmament, this majestical roof that's fretted with golden fire, it is no other thing to me than a vile and pestilent congregation of papers. What a piece of work is man. I don't believe in love anymore.
And with that, Shakuntala turned around and walked home to her family. And when she did, they welcomed her back and they just shook their heads and said, yes, these things do happen. But then with time, Shakuntala, she had a son. And when the son cried, she cried. And when the son was happy, she was happy. And it was through this that she learned to love again. With time she could look up into that canopy of trees again and see the beauty of it. How things would just flow from creation to destruction, from, from creation to destruction, creation to destruction in this dance, this movement, this music. And she could lift up her legs and arms and shake them at the sky and say, Om Namah Shiva, Om. And all this was through the love of her son. She could see it for its beauty again and love it. Years passed. Years rolled over and over and over until Shakuntala's son was a young man. And it was at that time that one of the villagers took a boat and, and took a line and a pole and cast it into the water of the river. He went fishing. And I'm happy to say that he caught a fish. Mm. This was a very large fish, the kind that shimmers in the sunlight. It was so beautiful. This was a treasure of a fish to this poor peasant villager and he took it home and he cut it open when he did he cleaned the guts out of that fish and inside the guts he found a ring not just any ring but the ring of the prince it had the royal crest upon it Oh, thought the man, this is something special indeed. Something very strange is going on. For this to be inside the fish, I must take it to the palace at once. So he did. He journeyed to the palace. When the guards saw the ring, the man was instantly admitted. And when Dushyanta saw the ring... All the memories of Shakuntala came flooding back to him. 
he could remember how she made him feel. He could remember the peace and at the same time excitement that he had felt in her arms and how caring she was and how innocently she viewed the world in all its beauty. And he stood up and he looked at the ring and he realized that some horrible enchantment must have been upon him for this to have been blocked from his mind. He threw down the ring and ran to his horse and he journeyed over the hills and down the river until he got to Shakuntala's village. And there he found her. He found her working in the garden alongside their son and he went to her and he fell upon his knees and begged her forgiveness Shakuntala she fell upon her knees beside him and embraced him and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> and that is the romantic tale of Shakuntala. <laughs> so I almost feel as though this tale doesn't even need any explanation. It's all right there. It is a, a very popular story in India. It's been remade in Bollywood films and all sorts of fun stuff if you want to check that out. I should mention and give credit to um, Shakespeare for the what is what a piece of work is man um, excerpt that I added in our most dramatic scene of despair and um, and then also Om Namah Shiva is uh, a Hindu prayer that um, that is um, praising uh, Shiva, the cosmic dancer. So in a few days, it's going to be Valentine's Day. And so I'm going to take this moment to share with you the story of St. Valentine. Now, Valentine was a Christian martyr. Some say that he was a priest who would marry Christians and for this he was punished and sent to death. And it is said that as he was in the prison waiting to be taken to the gallows, waiting to die, the guards granted him one last request. What would you like? they said. We'll get you anything. One last small comfort. And St. Valentine requested a sheet of paper. And on that sheet of paper, he wrote a love letter. Now I want you to imagine that you have been sentenced to death. And that you have been given one last request. 
What would you write on that sheet of paper? To whom would you write it? What is it that you have been dying to say, but have been silent, silent as a grave up until now? What would you write on that paper? I urge all of you who are listening to get out the sheet of paper and write it down. Or you can paint it the way I do. (laughs) Or you can sing it. Any form of expression that you can think of, just get it out. It's better out than in, right? (laughs) And now I'm going to read for you a letter that was sent to me. A few months ago, I finished my first book, a small little book called Art Stories, Folk Tales to Inspire Creativity, and I dedicated the book to my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Loon. Now, Miss Loon is a very special person. Miss Loon is from Scotland. She has a beautiful accent. Miss Loon would read us stories and she would pause and tell us exactly what she thought about the tale. I remember her saying once that um, that she had had a boyfriend back when she was younger and that he had dumped her. Ooh. But Miss Loon, she just winked at us and said, His loss, huh? Yes, indeed. Must have been his loss. For she is so vivacious. <laughs> we dissected owl pellets. We read Greek myths. Ah, uh, what would I do without my Greek myths? And... We had to write a short story. And I wrote a story. I shaped the book like a clock, like a watch. And I made it a tale of time travel where the main characters went back to the dinosaur age, which I was obsessed with at the time. And when Miss Loon read my story, she said, you should write a book one day. And I have always remembered this. And so, I dedicated my book, Art Stories, to her. And I sent her a copy. And just yesterday, I received a message back from her. A wonderful letter. And I want to read to you part of it. The day I opened your package in the Rocky Hill office, I read your letter first and exclaimed to the secretary, Oh my! This is my student, Addie Wooten. Sweet, gentle Addie has written a book and sent it to me. And those coming in and out all oohed and odd. And then I opened the book and leafed through it. I was speechless when I read my name in the dedication and pointed to it silently with tears in my eyes as I showed it to friends who passed it through the office. 
And then I took it to Crystal, our, our lovely principal, and I said, this makes a difference. I met my students from the cafeteria and told them all about you and the book and passed around the class picture with your smiling face and they were much fascinated, <laughs> second graders. And then I read Pygmalion to them and I love the way you write this story so succinctly. No one knew my fair lady so I told them how Professor Higgins transformed a little cockney flower seller. We sang The Rain in Spain. Then I found a clip to show on the active board, and they were all singing and dancing in the aisles. And that was my letter from Miss Jane Loon. Emerson wrote that success is to know that even one life have has breathed easier because you have lived. And I've had so many letters to write. And not all of them have come out perfectly. <laughs> but I'm so glad that it that this one did. <laughs> because in, in sending Mrs. Loon that book, I hope that that she would then really know and understand how much she meant to me and how much I learned from her. And I urge you again, my friends, to sit down and write the letter. To sit down and write it now. Don't clam yourself up and turn to stone and stare at that other person as if they're just a little fleck of space. You remember. Each of you remembers what's most important. Maybe some of the details have, have faded. But it's not the details that matter, perhaps. Hmm. As always, thank you for listening. I want for you to share your stories. May it be as healing for you as it has been for me. You have been listening to the Fantastic Fables podcast. To find out more about Addie and her creative work, go to fantasticfables.net.